Well, we are starting four weeks on faith, and it's probably one of the most important series uh, we've done here because one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor and looking at the church today is there are so many Christians who live beneath their dignity. So many believers today never walking in the true power that God died on a cross to provide us, for us to activate, for us to connect with, for us to begin to operate our lives according to faith. And so over the next four weeks, you're going to have to track close because we're going to be building on each other each week as we begin to unlock different dynamics of faith, different dynamics of how you can begin to activate what God has put inside of you and how you can begin to see things happen in your life you never thought possible. And that's the beauty of Christ. And it's not through effort. That's the wonderful thing about faith. Faith comes through grace. Faith comes through Christ. It's not, it's not you being a good enough person. It's not you trying hard enough. It's not you working to earn it. It is a gift of Christ. It is a gift of grace. What he did on the cross to unlock this power in your life. And what I want to see as a pastor is a church that begins to activate and unlock everything that God has placed inside of you. You know, one of the questions on the video is, what could happen if we began to connect with all of the faith in this room today? Because the Bible says the faith, the size of a mustard seed, can move a mountain. Have you ever felt that in your life? See, what I want to get you to the point in your life is where you begin to see mountains move with faith the size of a mustard seed. And this morning, we're going to be talking about Bringing your faith to fruit. In the following weeks, we'll be talking about activating faith. What is the trigger of faith? Talking about the fight of faith. A lot of people need to realize when you fight the fight of faith, you're not fighting to get anything. You're fighting to hold on to what you already have. Because you have it by faith. And we'll get into that a little bit next week. But today, we're going to be talking about bringing your faith to fruit. And what you have to understand is it is a wonderful thing in life to have faith. It's a significant thing to have faith. But so many times in the process of us talking about our faith and celebrating faith and and preaching on faith in the church, we don't actually teach people how to bring their faith to fruit, how to activate their faith, how to turn it on, how to connect with it to begin to see things in your life take place you never thought possible. And what you need to understand, faith being brought to the point of fruition is, is very similar to money. What you need to understand is faith is a medium of exchange in the spirit. You can exchange things with faith in the spirit just like in the natural you can exchange money for the things that you need. Money is not an answer. It is simply a means to an end. Because how many of you understand you can't drive money? You can't live in money? You can't eat money. Money you can exchange for the things that you need, but money itself is not the answer. And the same thing is faith. Faith you can exchange for the things you need in life, but faith in and of itself, if you don't bring faith to the point of fruit in your life, then faith by itself doesn't really matter. Unless you're using your faith to unlock the answer that you need in your life. 
It's like being a billionaire. Imagine being a multi, multi billionaire. You have all the money in the world, and yet you're living on a hut in the side of the road in a cardboard box, homeless, broke, and hungry because you're not using what you have to take care of your life. You've got all the money in the world, but you're not activating that money. You're not trading that money. You're not using that money to take care of the necessities of what you need in life. And it's the same thing with so many believers in the body of Christ today. You have all the faith in the world. God has placed that faith in you. When you were born again, you were given fullness in Christ. But how many of us aren't using the faith, exchanging our faith for the miracles and the promises and the fruit that we need in our life? See, if you can't activate your faith to produce your fruit, then, then, then your faith is meaningless. Unless you can get your faith to work and produce in your life. And the thing is, it's possible this morning that you could be getting more word than you've ever gotten in your entire life. I mean, you could be sitting at home watching Christian television all day, reading your Bible, going through your CDs, going to every conference you can imagine, and still not using it to its optimum capacity to meet your needs and dreams. See, for some of you this morning, you're sitting around waiting for somebody else to help you unlock something in your life that you could unlock yourself if you would simply learn how to bring your faith to fruit, how to activate and connect with your faith and see your faith begin to work in life. It is possible this morning that you could be living at a completely different standard of life, not just in material things, but in spiritual things and health and physical things. If you would learn how to activate the power of God that he put inside of you. See, you'll hear, you've heard that theme over the last few months on you know, Ephesians 1 when Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. He didn't pray that they would receive more power. Paul said, I pray that you will realize the power that is already inside of you. See, one of the tragic things today is going to prayer meetings and you hear people over and over say, God, give us more faith. God, give us more power. God, give us more love. But the reality is God can't give you any more faith than what you have right now. God can't give you any more power than what you have right now. God can't give you any more love than what you have right now. What you need is what Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, that you would realize the power that is already inside of you. It's like electricity. If we turn the lights off in this room, all the power we needed to light the room would be available. It's present. It's here with us. The way we light the room is to turn on the light switch. And that's what we want to learn how to do. We want to learn how to activate our faith. We want to learn to use our faith to connect with the light switch so that we can begin to see the miracles we're believing for in our life. So that you no longer have to be hungry for what God has made accessible to you by faith. Look at Paul says in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, commit to these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What is he saying commit? He's talking about ministry. He's talking about the gospel. He's saying commit to faithful men. And what you have to understand is you just can't commit to anyone. They have to be faithful men. Because it's a dangerous thing to put things in people's hands that aren't faithful, but 
more importantly than being faithful, because the problem with the body of Christ today is we have the wrong understanding of the word faithful. See, a lot of times you think faithful is being dependable. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not the type of faith the Bible describes. See, we say if someone's faithful, they're always there. They show up every week. They're always there. They never miss. They're loyal. They're dependable. They're faithful. They're always, that's not, we're talking about faith-filled. Because you can be faithful without being faith-filled. And what Paul is talking about is we need faith-filled men, not just faithful men who are always available, but faith-filled men, people who know how to activate their faith, people that know how to connect with their faith, people that know how to bring their faith to fruit, to see the miracles in their life that they need to see to live out life, to make a difference. Because how many know we're all believing for something? There's a miracle that each and every one of us need in our life. There are things that that we've got to depend God for. And so we've got to learn how to become faith-filled and not just faithful. So let's talk about faith for just a moment. Since faith is important, let's define faith. And this is the way I want to define faith in two areas in your life that I want you to understand. Today is the foundational message that will take us through the next three weeks. But these are the things you have to understand about faith if you're going to connect with it and if you're going to get it. First, in order how to make faith effective, you have to understand that faith is seedful and it is also fruitful. There has to be a seed in the faith, and there has to be fruit in the faith. So we're going to be talking about the seed and the fruit of faith this morning, because the very first commandment God gave to man was be fruitful and multiply. And what you need to understand is the reason God commanded us to be fruitful and multiply is because God already created us to be seedful. You cannot be fruitful unless you have seed. There has to be a seed to have fruit. And if he had not created man with seed, then it would be impossible for man to bear fruit. And so what our goal this morning is learn how to use our faith to bring about fruit in our life. But there first has to be seed. Fruit is the end result in having seed. If there is no seed, there cannot be any fruit. So you have to have faith, and your faith has to have seed, and your faith has to have fruit. So let me take this with you for a second. I'm going to show you the fruit first. Then we're going to talk about the seed. Number one, let's talk about the fruit. Hebrews 11 in chapter 1. Follow with me on the screen. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In the New Living Translation, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's what faith is. See, how many of you hope for things that you don't actually believe will happen? It's because you're hoping without faith. Because when you hope with faith, what you're hoping for, what you're dreaming for, what you're believing God for, you are believing in faith that that thing you're hoping for will actually happen. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the ends to which your faith is the means. The hope is fruit. That is the fruit of faith. We said faith must have seed and faith must have fruit. The fruit of your faith is the thing that you're hoping for. So let me ask you this morning, is there anything in your life that you're hoping for? 
right now. Because if you're not hoping for anything, then I really can't help you. Because it's my job to preach the word of God, which we'll find later is the seed that activates your faith to produce fruit. And fruit is the thing that you are hoping for. So if you're not hoping for anything this morning, if there's not any area in your life that you want fruit for, then me giving you the seed means nothing at all. Because faith is the substance, it is the ingredients, it is the material, it is, it is the inner mechanics for the thing which you hope for to be derived. It makes it happen. So what are you hoping for today? What are you believing God for today? What is the dream that you haven't seen fulfilled in your life? Is it a job? Are you, you know, there's people in the church struggling with unemployment. Maybe the thing they're hoping for is for God to give them that career they desire. That is the fruit of your faith. That is the thing that you're hoping for. You don't have it yet, but you're hoping for it. And the faith is the substance of the thing that you're hoping for. What are you hoping for? Because that is the fruit in your life. You've got to find that. Now, look at this. Look at Romans 8, chapter 24 and 25. We're going to look at these two verses and talk about how all this works together. Romans 8 and verse 24. It says something very important. It's teaching us about the thing that we're hoping for. What is it that you're hoping for this morning? What is the dream that you have? What are you believing God to see happen in your life? Whether it's the, the, the salvation of an of a unsaved loved one, or it's a job, or it's a disease, or it's a family member, or it you know, could be a new house or car, whatever it is. What are you hoping for? Verse 24, Romans 8. For we were saved in this hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? That's very important to remember. I want you to register that hope that is seen is not hope. The New Living Translation, I love the way it translates this verse. It says, we were given this hope when we got saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. For why do we hope for what we see? See, this morning, you have to understand, I am not hoping for a car. I have a car. Why do I need to hope for what I already have? What I hope for is what I do not see yet. That's the fruit of my faith. That is the end result of me connecting to my faith. If I already had it, then I wouldn't need to hope for it. Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We are patient. We confidently wait for what we do not see. Now, this is the magic of these two verses being brought together. The magic is, is I ask you if there is anything in your life that you hope for. Is there anything right now that you are believing God for? Is there any dream? Is there anything that you need to see fruit in your life for? Is there a dream? Is there, is there something in your life that you're hoping for, that you're believing for? That is the fruit. And many of you said yes. That is the fruit in your life. And yet the fruit has not manifested yet. You can't see it. It's not materialized. You're hoping for it. You're believing God for it. But it hasn't happened in your life yet. And here's the magic. Fruit doesn't have to be seen for it to be there. Did you hear me? You don't have to see the fruit for the fruit 
to exist. It hasn't materialized, but you immediately, you immediately in your spirit, you knew there were things that you were hoping for. There knew there were things that you were believing for, and that's why you need a word from God. Because a word from God will help you help your faith birth out of you the thing that you are hoping for on the inside. You don't have to see fruit for fruit to be there. That is why the Bible says faith is the substance of things you hope for, and hope is what you do not see yet. Let me make it a little plainer. Let me make it a little simpler. Uh, a lot of you have visited Julian, California. It's one of my favorite places to go. Beautiful apple orchards, the best apple pie you'll ever eat, a great place to visit. Well, the beauty of an apple orchard is you can actually smell the aroma in the air before the season of apples arrives. You can actually sense it. You can smell it. There's a, there's a change in the atmosphere before the apples bloom. But what you need to understand is the apple was always there before the apple was there. See, if the apple did not exist inside of the tree, then the apple would have never come out of the tree. The apple had to be on the inside before it became on the outside. And that's the powerful thing about what we hope for is you don't have to see it for it to be there. It may not have materialized yet. God may not have given it to you yet, but it's there because we're talking about producing, not creating. See, that's the difference of our faith. We're not talking about creating something out of nothing. We're talking about producing something, and to produce something, the raw mechanics have to be there. The apple had to be in the tree before apple season came. If the apple wasn't intrinsically in the tree, then during the, the harvest time, during the apple season, the apple would have never appeared on the tree. And that's the beauty of our faith, is that God has already given you the fruit. God has already given you the answer. And we're going to discover next week why when you fight the fight of faith, you're not fighting to get anything. You're fighting to hold on to what you already have because God has given it to you. You're hoping for it. That's the fruit of your faith. That's the substance of faith. And it hasn't materialized yet. It hasn't shown up in your life yet. But it is there. And that's why you can't give up. That's why you've got to connect with your faith. That's why. And that's the struggle that so many of us have, is to have a vision that you can't see. Because how many understand, for a lot of us, sometimes what you can't see becomes bigger than what you can see. And you begin to wonder, if I'm ever going to see on the outside of me what God is showing me on the inside, am I ever going to fully get to the place where I'm seeing these dreams and these hopes fulfilled that I'm believing for on the inside? And see, everyone doesn't have this struggle. Because not everybody in life can produce. You have to have the seed to be able to produce the apple. And not everybody has the seed in the first place. I mean, there's a lot of people not living under, they're, they're living under the law, under the curse, and they can't produce the seed because they're not living in Christ under grace. And you can only produce the seed when you're in Christ under grace. And some of you are having trouble because you're hanging out with people that can't produce and they're tearing you down. You know, you got Cousin Fred and Uncle Joe that, you know, you, you tell your dreams, you tell what you're hoping for, and they're like, why in the world are you hoping for that? 
Why are you, why would you ever imagine God would give you that? Why would you ever imagine God would, and they're tearing down your dream because they don't have a dream. They don't have anything they're hoping for because they don't have the seed of Christ inside of them. And so they're pulling you down from your mission because you're trying to produce the invisible. You're trying to believe God to see something happen in your life you never thought possible. You're trying to do the impossible. You're trying to attain the unreachable. And they're not seeing what you're seeing. See, I love Walt Disney. When, when, when he passed away, they asked his wife, wouldn't it have been amazing if your husband would have seen it when they opened Disneyland? And she said, he did see it. He did see it. See, he didn't physically see it in life because he passed away before, you know, the completion of it. But she said he saw it long before. See, he, he believed for it. He hoped for it. And there are things in your life that you're hoping for. See, that's why we got to go a little bit deeper than laziness with our faith. Because, you know, I see Christians all the time. They're believing God. They're using faith for things they can take care of themselves. You know, I'm believing God for a happy meal. Well, you can go buy a happy meal. You don't need to believe God for a happy meal. You know, let's, let's use our faith to do the impossible. Let's use our faith to do the unreachable. See, we're talking to people, you've got something inside of you that you don't see on the outside, and you're laboring to produce it because it's inside of you, and you can't rest till you get it out. And that's what I'm talking about with the fruit. And see, the thing is, I smell the fruit. Right now, there's some of you moving into a new season, just like when it's apple season and the apples begin to become, the the apple harvest begins and the apples begin to appear on the trees. There's a season that comes in life. And the season begins to unlock the fruit that was inside the entire time. And the aroma comes. And right now, there are things beginning to happen. I've talked to you throughout the last couple weeks. There's things that God's beginning to do. There's something, there's a spirit right now that God is sending on coastline where there's a season, a harvest season coming. That's why you can't give up. That's why you can't let go of your faith. Because God is using your faith to begin to produce fruit in your life. Now let's look at the seed. We talked about the fruit. What is the fruit? It's what you're hoping for, the thing you're, you're dreaming for, you're believing for, you're hoping for. Let's look at the seed now. Romans 10, verse 17. You got to catch this. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the New Living Translation, it says hearing the good news about Christ. That's your seed, the word of God. Your seed is the word of God. That's why God's word to you is so critical and so powerful in your life because you have to have the seed to produce the fruit. If you don't have the seed, there's not going to be fruit. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now let me break this down a little bit in the Greek because there's a lot of confusion in the church today as what this is actually talking about because in the Greek there are two different Greek words for God's word. There is the Greek word logos, which is the entire written word of God. That is the entire Bible, the logos, the word of God. This is logos. Everything that was written down in scripture is 
the Logos, and a lot of people read this passage of Scripture, and they say faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and so they try to get the Logos in them, but that's not the Greek word that Paul is using here. See, a lot of people say, well, if I just read the Bible and read the Bible and obey the Bible and and, and follow the Bible, then I'm going to get it and and I'm going to have faith. But it's not talking about that. If you look at the context of this passage of Scripture, if you look throughout Romans 10 and Paul is talking about grace and he's talking about law and he's talking about the curse and he's talking about freedom and grace, what he's actually talking about, the Greek word that he's using in Romans 10 is the word rhema. Rhema. What is rhema? Rhema is a personal word from God to you. It's not the logos. It's not the written word of God. It's the personal word of God. It's a rhema word. It's something that God speaks directly to us. And in this passage of scripture, what Paul is using is he's talking about the good news of Christ. He's not talking about the logos, the entire Bible, the law. He's talking about the good news of Christ. He's talking about grace. He's talking about uh, the gospel of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the gospel of Christ. Hearing by the good news of Christ. Because how many know that is personal? See, it's one thing to have logos. It's one thing to have law, but it's another thing to have grace. And it's another thing to have Christ. And see, Christ became the curse for us so that we could be set free of the law and live under grace. And Paul got accused all the time for being a grace preacher. People all the time said, well, you just preach grace to give people a license to sin. And Paul said, certainly not. That's not what this is about. But grace produces righteousness. Think about it. In in Galatians, it says, "If, if righteousness could come through the law... Then Christ died in vain. And that's the problem with the church today. Is we have so many believers today living under the law and not living under grace. We're living under a sin consciousness and not a Christ consciousness. I mean, how many times did you hear growing up in Sunday school, you need to obey the Bible, you need to obey the Ten Commandments? I don't know how many times growing up I said, you need to obey the Ten Commandments. You need to obey the law. And what we're doing by preaching that gospel, the gospel of the law, is we're putting people in bondage. We're putting people in misery where they can't activate their faith. They can't walk in the Spirit. Because you can't come to God through the law. How many understand none of us are ever going to be good enough? You can't work hard enough. You can't try enough. It comes by grace, and righteousness comes by grace and no other way. You're never going to, you're never, you know, that's the problem, is we've made righteousness a verb and not a noun. And most of the time that Paul taught on righteousness in the Bible, he was using a Greek word that was for a noun. It was a state. You know, like the Queen of England is on the throne. Now, does that mean she's literally on the throne? She never gets off the throne? She never, you know, even goes to the bathroom? She just sits on the throne all? No, it is a state. She is on the throne. And what Paul is talking about is you are in righteousness, the noun of righteousness, not a verb. Because a lot of us believers today, we preach righteousness as effort. Well, you've got to work hard, and it's a verb. And what we're doing is putting people under bondage 
And they're never activating their faith. They're never getting in the spirit. The fruit is never being developed in their life because they grow up in a culture of the church today that you got to obey the Bible. You got to obey the commandments. You got to work really hard. You got to try hard. And they never get, they never get the seed inside of them because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the good news of Christ. What is the good news? The good news is you don't have to do it. The good news is he did it for you. The good news is he died to set you free. He died so that you can be righteous. He died to give you that state in your life. And faith without seed is ineffective. See, if you're believing for something, but you don't have the seed of God in your life, it is ineffective. And that's what separates Christian faith from New Age faith and this off-brand generic faith that, 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 that is in our society today. And it's added to all this religious garbage. We've got the name it, claim it preachers on TV that if you just name it and you just claim it. But they don't have the seed in their life. They don't have a word of God in their life. Because Christian faith, it's not mind power. This is not mental telepathy. It's not focusing on the eye within you and and just focusing all your energy into a certain area to produce something. That's not what it's about. That's an illegitimate form of faith. There has to be a word of God in you. There's got to be that rhema word inside of you that God speaks to you. That's why in the Old Testament, every time they went to battle, they would ask God, have you given us the city? Because if they didn't get a word from God, if, they, if God didn't speak to them, I have given you this city, then they couldn't go to battle. They can't fight for what God hasn't given them. And that's the problem. See, if we will get in the spirit, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, then ask what you will and it will be done. The problem is we're using our faith, asking for things that God hasn't willed in our life because we're not living in the spirit. We don't have the seed. We don't have that rhema word about our life. And that's why the first key of really learning how to activate your faith is walking in the spirit. Not just understanding logos. See, the reason we understand logos, the reason we read the word is so that we can interpret rhema. See, the reason we study logos is we don't, we don't study logos. We don't study the word of God as a book of a, a bunch of commandments that we have to obey. We study the word of God so that we learn God's voice so that when he speaks rhema to us, we know his voice is apart from all the other voices in the world. Because how I many? it's easy to hear a whole bunch of things in life. And you have to learn how to, how to tune the frequency in. Well, the only way to learn how to tune that frequency in and get the rhema word, the personal word that God has for you so that what you believe for can be done is to get into the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Abide in me and I in you. And that goes back to the whole message of grace again. See, so many of us think the reason we're not seeing miracles in our life is because we're not good enough. The reason we're not seeing, you know, the answer is because we're not doing step one, two, and three, or maybe I, you know, I messed up the other day, and, and because I messed up, God just doesn't want to do it for me. And we've got all these different things in our life we're trying to attain, we're trying to work for, we're trying to to achieve, and and we're judging our faith based on our effort. And faith is not based on effort. Faith is based on the grace of Christ on the cross. He died to freely give. 
He said, freely I give to you, now freely give to others. What in that word freely means you had to work for it? What you have to do is learn how to receive. Learn how to get the seed of the word of God in your life so that you're believing for the right things. And that's the beauty of walking in the spirit and living a spirit-filled life is that when I preach God's word, for those of you that are in the spirit, you're hearing things that I never said. I mean, you'll leave the sermon today and say, you know, he spoke right to my career. He spoke right to my family. He spoke, and I don't even know what's going on in your life. Because you're letting the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you about the message. Speak to you about, and those are the type of notes you need to take. See, you don't need to write down what I'm saying. You can listen to that on the website. The notes you need to be taking this morning is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about this message. What the Holy Spirit is directing you to do about the message today. Because the unfortunate thing is some of you are only hearing what Aaron Jane is saying. And believe me, you're not going to get very hard listening to Aaron Jane. That's why the goal of this church is to get you in tune with the Spirit. Get you to the point where you know the logos so you can hear the rhema. You've learned God's voice. You've heard God's voice so that you can begin to let God speak to you personally. God give you promises. God give you something that you're hoping and believing for that is born in Him. He's given you the seed for it so that you can begin to activate your faith and begin to see things produced in your life you never thought possible. See, the gospel in its purest form, the gospel in its purest essence is we are far more wicked and evil than we ever dared imagine. And we are far more loved and accepted than we ever thought possible. That's the gospel in its purest form. And you're never going to truly operate faith through your own efforts. You're not going to get faith by working for it. You're not going to get faith by, by doing step one and two and three and some formula and method and think, if I try hard enough and if I'm a good enough person, you're going to get it freely. Freely he gave. Now freely give. See, faith is a gift. Faith comes through grace. It's the good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the good news of Christ. The good news that He died for you. The good news that He loves you. The good news that no matter what you've done or where you've been, His grace is sufficient. It doesn't make sense to me in the body of Christ today. We all get saved by grace. You know, we accept Christ by grace. We, we come to the altar. We say the prayer. Now, th then what happens to so many believers in the church? You get saved by grace, and then a month after you get saved or a year after you get saved, you forget that the life is about grace, and you make the life about works. See, your salvation came through grace, and then you say to yourself, okay, now to be a Christian, I've got to obey the Bible. And you get yourself under that curse. And how many know sin? I mean, when, when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, the response of the children of Israel should have been, 
God, you have brought us this far by grace. Don't give us this law. Let us live by grace. But they didn't. They embraced the law and immediately fell into sin. Because law produces sin. When we try to live by the law, it produces sin in our life. It's grace that sets us free. It's like talking to some of the guys in the church the other day. You know, they're, they're struggling with things in, a, in, a, in our Bible study. And I said, listen, if you'll just fall in love with Jesus, if you'll just walk in the Spirit, your desires change. You begin to transform the fruit. You want self-control in your life? Get in the Spirit. You can't get self-control through your own efforts. And see, to bring faith to fruit in your life, you have to have a revelation of grace. Or you're never going to see it happen. If you don't have a revelation that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the good news of Christ, the good news, which is grace, you're never going to see the seed activate the fruit and unlock the season in your life to see the things you need to see. So this morning, I challenge you to surrender to grace. You are righteous not because of your efforts. You're righteous because of what Christ did on the cross. See, and the beauty of grace is when you truly get grace, it does the... See, so many people, they accuse Paul because he was a grace preacher. They said, you know, Paul, if you preach that, people are just going to sin all the more. And Paul said, no, if people get a revelation of grace, their heart's going to change. Their desires are going to change. They're going to get in the spirit. They're going to become new creations. Father, in the name of Jesus. Give us a revelation of grace today so that we can begin to unlock the fruit in our life. Because it's that gospel of good news. It's that grace that is the seed of our faith. That's that rhema word to us, that personal word to us, Father. That begins to unlock the fruit, God, the fruit, the thing that we're hoping for in our life, the thing that we're believing for in our life, God. It's grace, God. That's the seed of the thing that we're hoping for. The gospel of the good news of Christ. God, set us free from this legalistic, law, sin-conscious world we live in. That all it does is feed to our desire, Lord. And let us truly learn to walk in your spirit. Fall in love with you. Live for you, Father. Let you transform our heart and transform our desires, transform our life, God. So many people, God, are sick, Father, because they're under the law, they're under that curse, and they can't get free. Father, give us a revelation of grace, Lord, so that our faith can become alive. Give us a revelation of the good news of Christ this morning. Let me ask if there's anyone here today that needs to say yes with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you need to say yes to the good news of Christ, you need to say yes to what it means to allow Jesus to set you free, to love you, to deliver you. 
out of a life of sin and darkness and put you on a path to heaven. With every eye closed, no one looking around, if that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand and say, I need the good news of Christ in my life. I need the good news of Christ. Raise your hand if that's you. And now before we close, I want to talk to the believers in the room that are living under the law. You need to understand this morning that it is the grace of Christ that makes you righteous, not your own efforts, not your action. You can't do righteousness. You are righteous. Righteousness is not an action. It is a state. It is a state that God gave you because of what Christ did on the cross. He didn't give you righteousness because of your efforts or because of your work or because of how good you are or this or that. He gave you righteousness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you're never going to walk in authority. You're never going to walk in freedom until you realize that. I hear people all the time, I was guilty of it for years, saying, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder. Let me know we can't try harder. We can't. It doesn't happen that way. If you try harder, you cheapen the grace of God. You cheapen what Jesus did on the cross when you try to combine your efforts with grace. And I know God loves me, but I also got to work really hard. You're cheapening the death of cross. You're cheapening the grace. You accept it as a gift. Let it take you into the Spirit and watch the fruit of the Spirit begin to manifest in your life because the seed of the Spirit is in you. You can't grow the fruit. Only the Holy Spirit can. You can't have self-control on your own effort. Only the Holy Spirit can give it to you. Your focus, your motivation needs to be every day waking up. How can I fall more in love with Jesus? How can I get more in His presence? How can I walk more in His Spirit? Not through a legalistic law format, but through a life, a life-giving, vibrant relationship. And I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over. If you'll get in the Spirit, if you'll walk in grace, your mind will change. Your actions will change. Your heart will change. When you truly get a revelation of the grace of God, so with every eye closed, no one looking around, if you've struggled with the law of your Christian life, and you just want this morning the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of God's grace, but no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we unleash the Holy Spirit this morning to convict us of grace, convict us of righteousness, Convict us of how much you love us. Let these people have a revelation of grace today so that they can learn how to bring their faith to fruit in their life. Give them that seed of grace inside of their spirit, God. 
Let them this morning understand how accepted and how loved they are. That it is by your spirit, by your grace, that we see faith become fruit in our life. Set us free from the curse of the law, the bondage of the law. That we can live overcoming lives, that we can live in freedom, that we can live in power. That our actions will glorify you because of us walking in the Spirit, not out of our own efforts. Transform us this morning in the name of Jesus. Would everyone stand with me as we close? I just want to close in a song as we leave here today. Is an awesome God, He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God, He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and Father, this morning we commit our lives to you. We commit our church to you. Lord, we accept freely from you by grace. By your grace, let us begin to walk in power, walk in authority, and begin to activate the faith you've put in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Don't miss next week as we begin to build on the good fight of of faith. Uh, We have sign-up seats for the workday Saturday and for Easter teams coming up. So make sure you stop by guest services and see Vicki and the team. And uh, join us to make a difference in someone's life on Easter and serve next week. Thank you, guys.